Hello and welcome back, dear listener, to Movie Bollocks. Yes, here I am, just appearing in your uh, device. That's, of course, if you subscribed. If you haven't, then get on with it. This is obviously a departure from um, Talking Bollocks and from Old Bollocks, all podcasts that you get coming down this feed. This is me jibber-jabbering about movies and also TV series. Um, There's a a real pile of stuff to get through. But before I go any further, I just want to reiterate right at the beginning, okay? Don't be telling anyone, oh, yeah, H. Massive Rain said this would be good, all right? Or all I'm saying is I will pass my opinion on each movie that is to follow. That's it. Now, don't go misrepresenting and saying that I told anybody to watch these, all right? I'm just saying that I either enjoyed them or I didn't. They were, you know, I thought they were good films or I thought they were bad films, but it's all just opinion, isn't it? Hey, how refreshingly even-handed and sane of me, because normally it's just all about the fucking what I say goes. Well, it's not really the case here. Really, it's more about, look, this is what I thought. I wonder what you'll think. So let's get cracking straight away with a hangover from the last um, episode of Movie Bollocks, which is right at the end. I mentioned a movie called Bull. Now, I don't think I really explained just how, uh, how can I say? It's quite angry. It's very angry. It's very violent. And there is a simmering malevolence in this film that it's really hard to put your finger on. Um, and that's that's not meant as a joke because, like, fingers are involved in violence at some point. But all through this movie, there is just a feeling that there's something else at play. Um, and I'm not going to say if there is or there isn't, but I am going to say that those of a sensitive disposition should probably avoid Bull. It stars Neil Maskell, who I have seen in all sorts of things, and he never fails to be absolutely brilliant. He's in, he, He's been in all sorts. He's the kind of face where you go, oh yeah, no, I've seen him in a few things, but you, you wouldn't, you really wouldn't be able to name him uh, what actor he is. So he's the lead guy in the Ch- Channel 4 TV series Utopia from years ago. Um, he's also the lead guy in a movie called Kill List. That is also from years ago. Jesus Christ, over 10 years ago. Unbelievable. Um, uh, hopefully that helps, but I, you know, I really enjoyed Bull. It's not an easy watch and it is... It is going to kick your face in, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, buckle up. Next up is, I mean, they couldn't be more different from Bull. This is Fantasy Island. Now, I've actually put in my notes here, um, uh, pass the time pleasantly, put that on the poster. And, um, it's yeah, it's not exactly a stunning review is it it's not exactly a oh yeah you definitely want to watch this but do you know what it it did it passed the time the trailer funnily enough is playing in front of me on imdb at the moment and um I, i can barely remember any of the um any of the scenes but 
I really, I, yeah, it gets a six on IMDb. I think that's about right. It's okay. Um, it, it it passed the time. It's not as um, it's not as cheesy as you may expect, and there is actually some pretty cool um, nods to the original uh, Fancy Island TV program. If that is you know anything that you've seen, and I've just I've just realised actually the trailer playing in front of me isn't for the movie that um, that I watched, so that's probably why I'm not rec- I'm not recognising anybody in it. Um, but yeah, I, I I genuinely thought it was okay, and uh, not a stunning example of a movie, but there you go. So yeah, it's on Netflix. Pretty sure that's where I saw it. Um, yeah, if you feel like it, it's not going to change your world, but it ain't going to ruin it either. Now, I don't know why, but a lot of people I know really weren't impressed with The Northman starring Alexander Skarsgård and Nicole Kidman. I'm a sucker for a bit of Alexander Skarsgård, mummy. Uh, I am. And to be honest, Nicole Kidman as well. And I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed The Northman. Um, it's got a decent story. There's lots of violence. It's brilliantly done. It's It really is all of the shit and shizzle that you would expect from... Uh, Division director Robert Eggers comes the Northman, an action-filled epic that follows a young Viking prince on his quest to avenge his father's murder. So, exactly. And you know what? It does that. I hate to use that phrase, but it does what it says on the tin. Plenty of violence, plenty of revenge, plenty of... And, you know, I really enjoyed it. That's what I'm saying here. Really enjoyed it. Epic. That's the word, epic. And while I remember, I'm going to throw in, throw in a a movie that has just appeared on Netflix, which is an all-time classic, and that is Lawrence of Arabia. Now, if you click on that on Netflix and suddenly see it's nearly three hours, or potentially over three hours, I realise you need to have the time to watch it, okay? But my humble opinion is that that is many hours well spent it is based on a true story it's not a documentary it's a movie but it is based on a true story and it is largely true so the major events that happened in it did happen and it's it's quite unbelievable the scale of it is incredible put it this way it's worth watching purely from an action perspective they blow up and derail a train in the desert okay now bearing in mind this movie was made in the late 60s, early 70s. It's not fucking CGI. They blew up and derailed a train in the fucking desert. What more do you want? Um, So if you've ever been tempted or you've never even heard of it, seriously, um, Lawrence of Arabia is is an all-time, all-time classic. Personally, I'm saying it's worth a watch, but hey, that's just me. And that's followed by something that couldn't be more different. Everything, everywhere, all at once. There are two multiverse movies out there at the moment, and I'll get on to Doctor Strange and his multiverse of menstruation or whatever it is in a minute. But everything, everywhere, all at once. I I enjoyed large parts of this movie. Jamie Lee Curtis is in it, and she is... I mean, I'll, I'm a sucker for anything with Jamie Lee, and, and she's absolutely 
just spectacular in this. She's absolutely wonderful. Uh, Michelle Yeoh is also in this. Um, and it's, you know, I look, I really, really enjoyed certain sections. I felt the end really dragged um, and and was a little bit, it's one it's one of those movies where it's like, oh my god, how can we save the universe? And you know, it turns out love or a particular human bond is the strongest thing in the world, and you just kinda go, mm, okay, bit cheesy. But I've got to admit here, if you like multiverse movies, then you will love everything everywhere all at once. Personally, um, I don't think I'm a big fan of the multiverse. And um, I found certain universes that are depicted in everything, everywhere, all at once. And believe you and me, there are there are universes that you couldn't possibly imagine. There's a universe where everybody's made of paint. There's an animated universe. There's a universe where people's fingers are replaced by hot dogs, like long, floppy hot dogs, which genuinely I think is supposed to be funny. But I honestly found it to just be absolutely, completely fucking sick. It just absolutely did my head in. Like you fucking parakeets, will you shut the fuck up? I'm trying to record a fucking podcast. Seriously, you chirping bastards. Anyway, yeah. Um, everything everywhere all at once is 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 a very is a very accurate title, and I just I don't know. I, it wore me out. I kind of didn't didn't care by the end, and it, I was kind of like, "Which universe is it now? And what's happening to who now?" I'm, I'm, you know, and and so I kind of checked out a little bit. Um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, I mean, it's it hasn't got great um, reviews. It's fairly it's a fairly weak score for a Marvel movie. But do you know what? If you're into Marvel, you're going to enjoy it. Um, I enjoyed it for what it is, and I, I, it's, it's barely even worth mentioning or reviewing anything here, because if you're into Marvel, you're going to watch it, and if you're not, you're not. So, you know, yeah, 7 out of 10 probably sums it up. Mm, yeah, it was alright. Not bad. Not bad. But uh, moving on from that, we have a movie called Dog. Just simply Dog. And it stars Channing Tatum and the aforementioned dog. And, I mean, you can probably guess. Here we go. Two former army rangers appeared, appeared against their will on the road trip of a lifetime. The dog is also big. Briggs, Chatham Tatum, and Lulu, a Belgian Malinois, race down the Pacific coast to get to a fellow soldier's funeral on time. Now... You can probably already imagine what's going to happen in this film and how it ends up. But do you know what? That doesn't matter. That does not matter. Because, I, I look, I really like Channing Tatum. Um, you know, he's got the looks. He's got, he, he's, he's, he's got the suave. He can pull off suave. He can pull off action. More importantly, he can really pull off comedy. He's fantastic at comedy. And in this, he pulls off pretty much everything. I mean, it's I really, really, really enjoyed it. It's one minute, one hour and forty minutes long. It's got it's got an awesome dog in it. It's got Channon Tatum being being funny. I'm sorry, there's the, there's a there's a little trailer playing at the moment. I really enjoyed it. So yeah, if you if you in any way like the sound of that, 
then Dog is definitely, definitely worth checking out for you. Um, next up, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. No, that's not the documentary that's been made of my life. <laughs> just, just pulling your leg there. Um, it is a movie in which, in this action-packed comedy, Nicholas play Nicholas Cage plays Nicholas Cage. He does that in every movie. I hear you cry. Well, no. Channeling his iconic characters as, as he's caught uh, between a superfan, Pedro Pascal, and a CIA agent, Tiffany Haddish. Pedro Pascal is fucking fantastic in this. If you're trying to think of who he is, you first saw him in um, Narcos. He's also The Mandalorian. He is an absolutely top guy. Nicolas Cage is having the time of his life playing Nicolas Cage in this. And there are... There are just there are some really great gags in it, and I've got to be honest, I, I had I had really I had really high hopes about this. But it's all about what you bring to the movie yourself. If you bring high hopes, then often they will be let down. And as soon as I saw the runtime of one hour and forty-seven minutes, I just thought, do you know what? That's too long. That is too long. It, it's not exactly a high concept movie. It's Nicolas Cage playing Nicolas Cage. And it's going to be basically a comedy. And it is. And no comedy should be that long. It's just, it's not going to work. It really isn't. So it, it I enjoyed it. I, I'm, you know, but I can't say that it was what I was looking for. I mean, after all these years, when you finally get a movie where Nicolas Cage really is playing Nicolas Cage, I don't know, I just, I hoped wanted expected more that is my fault that is absolutely my fault you may enjoy it a lot more than i did um that's not to say that i didn't enjoy it i did um but it was kind of it was knockabout amusing as opposed to funny and i was really hoping for funny but there you go anyway um i did a flyby review of the next movie um on the last movie bollocks so i'm going to do something a little bit more uh, well not in depth because i i very rarely go in depth do i um but uh, it's the batman now i know a lot of you have been put off by the running time because yes you know it is long it is i'm des it says he like padding desperately trying to find the fucking running time and would you believe it fuck don't Fuck about no can't see it anywhere that is really really annoying well anyway it's nearly three hours it's just under three hours and I, so i i get it you have to make special time to watch it but i really really enjoyed the batman some just some really great takes loved the take on the batmobile loved the take on the soundtrack and the um uh, and the, the the nirvana song something in the way which i'd completely forgotten about which gets which gets baked into the soundtrack absolutely superb and i yeah i i robert patterson lo i thought he was awesome as the batman um zoe kravitz um plays catwoman and she is absolutely superb really does a great job in fact Everybody does. It's, I, I'm, yeah, what can I say? I, I really, really enjoyed it. Way more, way more than I thought I would. And Colin Farrell as the Penguin is absolutely superb. And Paul Dano, Dano as the Riddler is, is actually quite disconcerting. Um, it's, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, this is kind of movie where I think, 
do you know what? If you're going to get round to it, you're going to get round to it. And it's probably just on your list, but when you've got three hours to spare, you're going to watch it. Anything I say is not going to really make any difference. And I'm not trying to make a difference, but from from my point of view, worth the watch. Now, the next movie, I am solidly recommending, okay? Everything I said at the beginning, none of that counts. I'm completely going back on my word for this movie and this movie alone. And that's because it is called Deathgasm, right? Two teenage boys unwittingly summon an ancient evil entity known as the Blind One by delving into black magic while trying to escape their mundane lives by playing heavy metal. They are metalers. They summon a demon. It is... It is, it's fucking brilliant. I absolutely, well, it's not brilliant, okay? I'm just, it gets 6.3 on IMDb, okay? So clearly, a lot of people don't think it's brilliant. But I thought it was really, really funny. Really, really well observed. Um, and much more so than the recent Netflix movie that is about metal, and I can't remember the name, but it was on the last movie, Bollocks. This is absolutely brilliant. It really is, and it... it if you enjoyed that, enjoyed that one, it's worth searching out Deathgasm, because some of the uh, some of the some of the jokes based on metal and genres, and it, it's just it's properly properly deep stuff. As in, it's um, you know th- it, this is clearly written by by a by um, uh, Jason Howden. He directed it. He wrote it. He's clearly absolutely totally a metalhead well absorbed into the scene there's all sorts of really good subtle in-depth jokes in it it's well played out it's an hour and 26 minutes so for the opposite reason of batman get it on your fucking list and give it a watch and yes you can sit down with someone and say do you know what h rancid rain said this was pretty funny and it's about metal let's give it a go yeah, I really hope you do. But please don't do what I've seen some people do with that other heavy metal movie that I still can't remember the name of. And um, there's a girl lying to, trying to learn the bass and she says she, and she holds up the, um, uh, the music tablature book for the bass for um, and justice for all and says, I'm going to buy this. And that's the fucking joke, guys. I've actually seen people posting on social media a picture of that scene and what he said and saying, I turned to the wife and said, that won't help you out much, love. <laughs> it, no, that, it, the fucking joke is on the screen already. That is the fucking joke. You don't need to turn around telling anybody. You shouldn't need to post on social. I got the joke. Seriously? Anywho, Deathgasm. Yeah, there's nothing about and justice for all the bass players in this. But I really, really enjoyed it. Um, the irony of the, of the title of the next movie will not be lost on you. Liam Neeson in memory. And guess what? An assassin for hire. Yeah, Liam again. An assassin for hire finds that he's become a target after he refuses to complete a job for a dangerous criminal organisation. This is going to sound remarkably familiar um, a little bit later on when something similar raises its head. Um, The movie's called Memory and 
yeah, you know what's coming. It's not very memorable, really. It was all right. It's Liam Neeson chewing the scenery. It's nearly two hours long. There's some action in it. Yeah, you know, he's got memory problems. He remembers some stuff. He forgets some stuff. Some people get killed. Some people don't. Um, and the thing is, as soon as you see... Uh, one guy wrote the screenplay. It's based on a book by somebody else, and it's based uh, and it's based on um, a movie by somebody else. You just start going, mm, right, okay. So Liam Neeson and Guy Pearce were in it. Guy Pearce was pretty much the reason that I kind of watched it, to be honest, because I do like me a bit of Guy Pearce. Um, and it's it's yeah, it's okay. What can I say? From the director of Casino Royale. Well, it's you know, it's certainly no Casino Royale, that's for sure. Um but there is there is a kind of like a cool sort of relationship that builds up between um Guy Pierce and Liam Neeson, despite the fact that one's trying to track the other down, but kind of not. You kinda get the idea or you kinda don't. So, you know, if you like Liam Neeson, it's one for you. Now, the next movie, I don't want you to tell anybody that I recommended that you see this, okay? I really don't. Because ultimately, um, this really is one that you're going to sit down and watch and you're going to wonder what's going on and it's going to start messing with you and you're going to start looking at the person you're watching it with and going, uh, this is a bit odd, isn't it? Now, it is. Okay, there's no getting away from that. It is brilliantly, brilliantly acted. It is only one hour and 40 minutes long and you will not see another movie like this for a long time. It's written and directed by Alex Garland. So, and it, it stars Jesse Buckley and Roy Kinnear. Both are absolutely superb in this. Um, Alex Garland has um, directed loads of things. Ex Machina, which some people unfairly and incorrectly called Ex Machina, Ex Machina. It's a brilliant movie, by the way. Um, he wrote 28 Days Later. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, he knows what he's doing. He also directed the Netflix movie Annihilation, which, um, which I really enjoyed. So it is, yeah, it, it, it really, I don't want to give anything away, but you need to be open-minded. You need to be fairly open-minded to watch this movie. It's a British movie. Um, it's really well made, it's engaging, but there is this constant vibe of, I'm not quite sure what's going on here. This this is a bit fucking odd. And you're definitely onto something if that's what you're thinking. Because <laughs> odd, it really fucking is. But hey, anyway, just check it out if you want or don't. The movie is called Men. It's not an, and an no, it's not an anti-male movie or anything like There's a lot going on in this film. <laughs> yeah, a lot. So, next up, Duel. D-U-A-L. Um, I mean, I watched this because it stars Karen Gillan and Aaron Paul. And straight off the bat, I like both of them. Uh, so I was like, yeah, the movie's one hour and 34 minutes long. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm having some of that. So I checked it out and I enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, to give you a uh, to give you a, a synopsis, which will pretty much either 
you're either going to buy into it or you're not from this. A woman opts for a cl- a woman opts for a cloning procedure after she receives a terminal diagnosis, but when she recovers, her attempts to have her clone decommissioned fail, leading to a court-mandated duel to the death. Okay, now. Yeah, it's it's set slightly of us. It is it's got a quirky kind of pacing. It's got um it's got an odd feel to it. There are genuine laugh out loud moments in this, which again, you're probably not expecting given the uh, the 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 premise that I just read out. But it's really well done and I and it it kept me it's one of those movies that by the end you you kind of go, right, okay, I think I know what happened. I think I know how that played out. But it's left on you. It's left up to you to decide what happened. And I, I'm pretty sure I got where it was going and what happened. There are plenty of clues there. But, I, yeah, I mean, what's not to like? You've got um, Karen Gillan playing... Two Karen Gillans. You got Aaron Paul, um, who's who's great in it, by the way. And yeah, it, it's. I wouldn't call it. I wouldn't call it a comedy. I really wouldn't. Obviously, not with the premise. But it's 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 almost like, and I wouldn't call it a horror either. I'm not doing a very good job of calling it anything, am I? All I know is I enjoyed it. Okay, and if you and if you if you like the sound of that um, premise, um, it, it's definitely worth checking out. It really is. There's a and there's a great on-screen chemistry between Karen Gillan and, and and Aaron Paul, which I really enjoyed. And yeah, it's I I enjoyed it. What can I tell you? I enjoyed it. Howard says Howard enjoyed it. Um, next up, Polar P O L A R. Can't remember where I saw it. Um, it's not. It it, it, it Oh, hang on. Yeah, is it? Hang on. Oh, now, what have I gone? Wait, wait, wait. Uh, oh, no, I've missed Polar. P-O-L-A-R. Polar stars Mads Madsen. Um, it's mad as fuck. There's loads of action in it. If you can uh, stand Matt Lucas clearly overacting beyond his means, he manages to take... Because he's a comic actor. So it starts out as comedy. Then it is just cringeworthy overacting. Then it just breaks new ground as to how cringeworthy acting can be. I mean, I'm going to say it now. He is fucking shit in this film, <laughs> okay? But not to the extent that he ruins it. Um, Mads Madsen is in it kicking ass. So, do you know what I mean? Kicking ass works for me. Um, but yeah, there, there, is, there, there is very little to recommend here. If you're a fan of um, of Matt Lucas, because it, yeah, it, he's just he's just I don't know, he's just ve- really not very good in it. Um, the movie is from 2019, and it is nearly two hours long, which ne- which very nearly put me off. Gets a respectable 6.3 on um, IMDb. It is a retiring assassin. Fucking hell, when is assassins gonna top? Stop fucking retiring. A retiring assassin suddenly finds himself on the receiving end of a hit. Contracted by another than his own employer, seeking to cash in on the pensions of ageing employees. And it's directed by Jonas Ackerland, who directs nearly all of the Rammstein videos. So, there's a bit of humour in it. There's a lot of off-colour humour in it. There's a lot of needless violence. It, I mean, 
Mads Mickelson's in it, Vanessa Huggins is in it, Catherine Winnick is in it, um, and the aforementioned fucking useless Matt fucking Lucas. Um, but I did, I did watch it. Um, Mads works, Mads holds it together. But I've got to say, for now, honestly, some of you will get halfway through this and just go, "Yeah, do you know what? I'm, I'm not really feeling this." But if you get halfway through and you are feeling it, then you're going to enjoy it. Um, it's not the best film I've ever seen, but you know, it's all right. It's all right. Um, now, this little beauty. I was not expecting to be any good. And again, taking your um, your expectations into things are, are dangerous, but you can't help but do that. The movie is called Prey, and it is the origin story of Predator. Naru, a skilled warrior of the Comanche Nation, fights to protect her tribe against one of the hi- first highly evolved predators to land on Earth. Um... The, now, straight away, I was like, hmm, yeah, I'm, I'm really not sure about this. And then I saw the running time. One hour, 39 minutes. And I thought, well, there's five minutes of credits in there, easy. So we're talking about pretty much a just over 90-minute movie, which, as all regular listeners will know, is my favourite length of movie. Yep, three acts, 30 minutes each. Boom. And I really enjoyed prey i really really did um it's i mean it's very it's fairly low on um on on dialogue although you don't get me wrong there is there is dialogue in it but um there are no major stars um uh, it's uh, 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 i do believe uh, the lead actress is or, or female actor if you will um is actually a comanche um, from Comanche stock, so it's it's been you know well cast, it's been sensitively cast, and she's brilliant in it. She's absolutely brilliant, and I really really enjoyed Prey. I am going to be watching it again. I've only managed to get to it once so far, and there's so much stuff on my list. Like the rest of you, there's so much stuff on the list to watch, but I really enjoyed Prey. It just really caught me by surprise different to all of the other Predator movies really and that's what needed to happen because every time another Predator movie comes out it just seems to always go through the same tropes the same and and it's just always a disappointment but I I really really enjoyed Prey Um, next up The Grey Man now that's not exactly um, a a title that's going to make you jump out of your chair is it well no so I'm afraid. Here we go. When the CIA, when the CIA's most skilled operative, whose true identity is known to none, accidentally uncovers dark agency secrets, a psychopathic former colleague puts a bounty on his head. That's right. It's another hitman going after another hitman, setting off a global manhunt by international assassins. Oh, so it's not John Wick then, you fucking thieving bastards. Well, I mean... This stars Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans. Now, that might be a surprise, given everything I've just read out. And even with those two in it, it's still only getting a six and a half on um, IMDb. It's it's on Netflix. Um, give it a watch. Netflix are putting a lot of investment into this. There's going to be, I think there's going to be 
a, a few more of these movies. So you have been warned. There's really nothing that you haven't seen before going on in this movie. Um, uh, I mean, other than, uh, well, yeah, Ryan Gosling is great. Chris Evans just is chewing the scenery, wearing a ridiculous fucking tash. Um, and Ryan Gosling is doing his usual, you know, cool, cooler than you, smouldering kind of, you know, guy that all of us guys wish we were. Um, and yeah, the the it's it's just it's just I don't know, just above average. Which at six and a half, I think that's a little bit generous. But hey, you know, it's all opinions, isn't it? Billy Bob Thornton's in it, and um, he pops in and is quite amusing from time to time. Um, but yeah, it's it's all right. It's all right. Now the next movie you will have heard of because it's all about somebody you will have heard of. Okay, this is the movie called Elvis. Now, I have got to be, I, I'm, you know, full transparency here, folks. I'm putting my cards on the table. Elvis was a hero to most, but he never meant shit to me, said the philosopher Chuck D. And that pretty much falls into my um, wheelhouse as well, you know, legendary figure but meant nothing to me culturally socially musically just not in my realm at all but heard the movie was good thought i'd watched it uh thought i'd watch it uh and again and again it's not the shortest movie in the world it's two hours and 39 minutes okay so it's about two and a half hours and um all i can tell you is i watched it I was thoroughly, thoroughly engaged. I loved it. I bawled my eyes out. And I finally actually had an appreciation for Elvis and what he did. Um, there was large parts of this that I wasn't aware of. Now, it's not a documentary. Don't come at me. It's not a documentary. You know, just like the Queen movie wasn't a documentary. Um, but for God's sake, you know, who needs another fucking documentary about Queen? Who needs another fucking documentary about Elvis? Nobody. Let's have some fucking movies, shall we? Great. So now we've established that it's not a fucking documentary. Yeah, absolutely loved it. Tom Hanks is awesome as Colonel Tom Parker, just, just fucking manipulating in the background like the horrible puppet master that he was. Just... Oh, just ostracising Elvis every chance he gets. Austin Butler, who plays Elvis, I'm putting this out there now, will win the Oscar for Best Male Actor in a Lead Role. Get your money on if you are somebody who bets. If you're somebody who doesn't bet, do not go and put any money on. But, and only put on what you can afford. Anyway, he's going to win. If If... Uh, I mean, if Maisie Boy can win for playing Freddie Mercury, yeah, who's a Brit, then this guy's going to win for playing Elvis. I mean, I just think it's hands down the easiest Oscar prediction for years, for absolutely fucking years. Um, the 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 musical pieces are great. the The look of the movie is fantastic. Everybody in it is wonderful. There is. So many brilliant performances in it. Um, and 
a, a lot of faces that I was completely unaware of who absolutely deliver. Um, it's directed by Baz Luhrmann of Moulin Rouge fame, so he knows what he's doing. Um, yeah, I I really, really, really... It's my favourite movie of the year so far, and I couldn't give a fuck about Elvis. What does that tell you, people? What does that tell you? It tells you it's a decent film. And look, if you don't like Elvis, and you don't like any of his songs, that doesn't matter. That's me. That was me. It's just... It was just a good movie. Forget that it's, that it's even a true story. Just, just, just objectively, as a story, as a movie, I really enjoyed it. Think of it as another, another version of um, A Star Is Born, if you will. You know, but I really, really enjoy, enjoyed it. And like I said, probably my favourite movie of the year so far. And I cannot believe I'm saying that. Okay, I really can't. So, that is the movies out of the way. Now, let's get into more stuff that you're going to try and add to your list or is already on your list, which you haven't got around to yet. And this is TV series. Oh, yeah. So, TV series it is. And there is some absolute beauties in here. There's some classics finishing up doing a last uh, a last series. Um, and there is some first uh, first series. There's some standalone series. There's a even a documentary in there. So and there's some classics returning. Fucking hell, it's all happening, isn't it? Um, first up, I'm going to go with available on Sky Atlantic, Raised by Wolves, um, season two. So, androids are tasked with raising human children on a mysterious planet. Um, I mean, the first series I really, really enjoyed. And the second series is no different. It is, um, yeah, it, I mean, obviously it's sci-fi if you've read that. But, I mean, the two lead actors, Amanda Collin and um, Abu Bakr Salim, mother and father they play the two um androids they are absolutely superb but there are there are all sorts of great performances turning up here um and a a, a real shout out as well for um susan danford who plays justina which is an insane role um this really is one where i i, I just get absolutely thoroughly absorbed um i have I really enjoyed season one and the way it finishes I was just like what the fuck really and then season two makes that look like child's play I mean it's it just keeps on delivering um and Travis Fimmel is in this as well um who a lot of you will know from Vikings he's an awesome actor um and there is just I, I again I don't want to go too much into but I, I couldn't even begin to expand on that very simple premise of androids are tasked with raising human children on, on a mysterious planet. If you saw season one, you know that this is nuts. This is off its fucking head. Okay, season two just takes off its head and takes off its head again. Um, there I mean you just can't rule out anything in this show happening. It's on a. It's based on an alien planet. There's, 
I, I, I honestly, I don't even want to get started because I would probably spend the rest of the entire podcast just talking about this. Um, there's 18 episodes at the moment and there are 18 great episodes. It is called Raised by Wolves and it is, it is just insane sci-fi that seems to just be getting better and better and stronger and stronger to me. So I'm loving it. Now, from that to a series that is departing and sadly, I will see it go. And that is Ozark. Now, as soon as you hear the name, an 8.5 on, on IMDb, by the way, as soon as you hear the name, you are going to know what I'm talking about because it's probably on your list. You probably haven't got round to it yet. Um, a lot of your friends have said you should get, you should watch it. Um, and you might have even given it a go and, um, and you know, not got into it if you're fucking insane. Um, I absolutely love it. I mean, Laura, Laura Linney does not do TV basically, but she agreed to do this and she is absolutely awesome. Awesome in this. Um, now, to give you, as always, give you the give you the, the the headline: A financial advisor drags his family from Chicago to the Missouri Ozarks, where he must launder money to appease a drug boss. And that is just the beginning. Um, it it is just absolutely superb. All four seasons, I've really enjoyed. But one thing that makes this is the performance of the children, because you've got a family, so. You really do need, you really do need some great child actors in there. And they are all absolutely superb. They really are. Um, and I'm desperately trying to find their names as well to give them uh, the the correct shout out. But the way IMDb does TV programmes is really annoying. So basically you've got Jason Bateman and Laura Linney as Martin, Marty Bird and Wendy Bird and daughter Sophia, uh, Sophia Hublitz and son Skylar Goretna. Those four actors are fucking outstanding. Don't even get me started on Emmy Award winner Julie Garner, who is just fucking absolutely incredible in this. She is awesome. She does. She, she can swear like nobody else. It really is absolutely. She's just amazing. Um, Charlie Tan is great in it. Uh, Lisa Emery is great. I mean, everybody is great in it. Everyone. It's and it's it's brilliantly written. There are twists. There are turns. There are ah. Uh, look, I I don't. Ozark. Sad to see it go. Really well done. Um, not a disappointing final series by any stretch of the imagination. And I will miss it. And yeah, I do recommend that. Now, another classic on its way out, right on the back of aforementioned Ozark, is Peaky Blinders. So where do we find ourselves in the final series of Peaky Blinders? For me... Where we find ourselves is, uh, how can I put this? Cut adrift, okay? Um, I mean, you know, Killian Murphy's awesome in it and all the rest of it. But for me, the final season is ultimately 
hamstrung by the fact that the brilliant Helen McCrory, who played Polly, um, passed away before they made the final series. And there is just a Polly-sized hole in this final season that I couldn't, I couldn't get over. Um, she was a massive part of it, and it that that fi- the final season for me is the weakest season of the lot. Well, you know, apart from that one with, you know, what's his name in it? Um, oh God, I can't remember which season it is. Adrian Brody, that's it. Um, where he comes over as the American gangster and basically is fucking terrible and just a walking cliche. Um, There was just... uh, This final season, I really felt like Peaky Blinders lost its way. I found it a bit of a chore to watch. I found the first episode was probably the one that I enjoyed the most. And then after that, it just didn't... It it didn't... Just didn't take off. Didn't do anything for me. I was... Yeah. Disappointed. What can I say? Um... You know, there, for me, there was there were whole scenes that could have been, um, I don't know, you know, a minute, but they were five minutes, and we were just getting. I mean, there's a scene where somebody is told that somebody in their family has passed away, and the scene seems to drag on for nearly ten minutes, and it's just, it's just, it's lots of physical grieving. Do you know what I mean? Lots of like rolling around and. And, and punching things and whoa and then oh and whoa and oh, 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 just and yeah so unfortunately um yeah it just kind of it fizzled out for me sorry but that is how I feel about Peaky Blinders and I loved it but just didn't love the final series another shout out for the new series series three of Love Death and Robots if you have Netflix you need to watch all three series of Love, Death and Robots. They are all extremely short, usually computer animated, but not always. Short films, the longest is 20 minutes, most are about 10, some can be less than that. Some are hilarious, some are, some are um, factual, some are uh, horrific, some are action, some are romance. They're all, all a little bit twisted. So if you fancy something, we can just smash through episodes. Literally, if you're not enjoying it, well, just wait a few minutes. It'll be over and the next one will be along. I really love Love, Death and Robots. Always worth a shout out. Next up, it was that one. The new Star Wars one. Yep. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now, I um, I enjoyed the final episode. What can I tell you? Right? I really, I really enjoyed the final episode. Um, I thought it, it came together well. It was cool. But my issue with the whole um, the whole series, really, is A, the acting choice that Ewan McGregor made all those years ago, which was to do the Alec Guinness impression. I'm afraid it's still not working for me, but I can all... I, you know, I can get round that. What I couldn't get round and what sort of really kind of got under my skin about the whole thing is that is the lack of jeopardy it's the lack of jeopardy it's it's you know you, you see obi-wan and sorry spoilers coming up but you see uh, obi-wan and darth vader having a lightsaber fight well you know both of them don't die so where's the jeopardy 
Princess Leia is being pursued, is she? Really? Well, I know she doesn't die. So, yeah, whatevs, man. It, it just, that for me was a real problem. Just lurking in the background all the time is just the, I know, I know where these people end up. So there's no, there's no threat. And I use that word again. There's no jeopardy. It's all right. Looks good. Enjoyed the last episode, but a lot of it, um, I just found to be, um, yeah, just kind of like neither here nor there, really. And, um, and, and also Ewan McGregor or Obi-Wan's like deference to the child, Leia Organa, treating her like she's some sort of, uh, I don't know, God-like creature, except not a really annoying cocky child. Um, just did my head in a bit. But anyway, look, I'm, I, you'll either like it or you won't, will you? You're either into Star Wars um, or you're not. So my take on it was, yeah, well, you've heard my take on it. Anyway, next up, another season coming to an end. I mean, it's happening all over the place. This has run for seven years. This is longer, longer than um, Breaking Bad. All 63 episodes of Better Call Saul. And another, I've really enjoyed Better Call Saul. I've really, really enjoyed it. I must admit the final season it didn't didn't quite do it for me in the end towards the end um uh it's there was there's a couple of episodes in black and white they start fucking about with the timeline like you wouldn't believe and i and and it it was taking me out of the um it was taking me out of the drama it was it was just kind of like well hang on where are we now and and what are we doing um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Again, I, I liked the last season, but the last season came in two parts and the first part was better than the second part. But then again, I'm looking at IMDb now and these episodes that I'm moaning about get 8.6, 9.1, 9.5 and 9.8 as like ratings. So obviously everybody else is enjoying them more than me. I did like the very last episode, which I thought was really well done. But I have to say, just towards the end there, I just found it getting a little bit frustrating and a bit annoying. Um, but all in all, a great, brilliant series. Something that really, really is... It's Yeah, it was great. It was great. And a huge shout out. I mean, obviously, you know, the stars, Bob Odenkirk, he gets... Uh, and Jonathan Banks both get a lot of credit. But Rhea... Seahorn in this for me she is the actual star of the series she is absolutely brilliant in it and I want to see more of her and stuff and she directs a few episodes towards the end as well which were great and yeah I thought she was the the um to quote another podcast you know who you are Paul the MVP for me she is the secret MVP most valuable player Rhea Seahorn and um yeah I'll I'll miss Better Call Saul. I really will. It's been uh, it's been a great journey, really has. Next up, Stranger Things Volume Four, Season Four. Sorry, Stranger Things Season Four. Um, both volumes. Well, the first episode and a half 
it's just things. There's, there's a fuck all strange happening. It's just things. And all of a sudden, the kids have got older and I all of a sudden felt like I was a very old man and watching a teen, um, uh, uh, just a, a teen movie set in an American high school and it's just about everybody's love lives and what they did in the holiday. And I found myself just drumming my fingers on the table like, when are we getting the stranger stuff? And we got the stranger stuff, but there's a needless storyline about about somebody who's now not dead being stuck in Russia. I don't want to give too much away, but now being stuck in a Russian prison. And, and that, that whole storyline was just bollocks. Just seemed to be a way of keeping Winona Ryder in it. It was just pointless. And every time it was on, I was just like, oh God, not this again. This is going to fucking drag. Um, and all in all, there's a new character who's really cool. And yeah, oh, fuck it. I'm going to ruin it, okay? Advance warning. But new character, really cool. They kill him. Brilliant. He dies. None of the original characters. And this is what annoyed me. What a ballless fucking thing to do. Introduce a new character who's really cool and kill him off. No, kill off one of the originals. Why do they all somehow always manage to stay alive? I won't be watching season five, which apparently is coming. And to be honest, I thought this was the last season. And when the last episode finished, it was like, it was obvious there was going to be another season. I was like, well... I'm out. Something I can't get enough of and I can't wait for the next season, Top Boy. You don't want this smoke, bruv. You do not want, you don't want this smoke, bruv. <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. Top Boy, if you're unaware of it, get onto Netflix. Um, it started out on the BBC. They, they canned it. Netflix picked it up, started making more and it's London Gangsters and it is proper, bruv. It is fucking proper. Ashley Walters, Kano, both absolutely brilliant in it. Um, but, oh, man, there are some... Oh, yeah, you ride out for your fam, though, don't you, bruv? You ride out for your fam. I I can't speak highly enough of Top Boy, if that's your kind of thing. It's like, it's like a UK version of The Wire, but it's not, okay? I'm obviously not going to say that, but I tell you what, again, somebody who needs a shout out in the in the whole cast, Jasmine Jobson, who plays Jack. She is incredible. She is absolutely fucking brilliant in this. She is a hard as fuck gang member and you would not fuck with Jack's man. You would not fuck with her. Seriously, she will take you outside and kick the living shit out of you soon as fucking ask where the food and peas has gone. Oh, yeah, and if, you know, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, it probably just sounds like drivel. But believe you and me, it's all about the food and the peas, bruv. It is all about the food and the peas. Check out Top Boy. Check it out. Next up, The Boys. New season of The Boys on Amazon. Yet more antics for those crazy superheroes, or are they anti-superheroes? What the fuck are they? We're struggling to really figure it out. Um, really good. I must admit, this season, for the first time, there were bits in it when I was like, mm, really? Okay, right. It really, really pushes the limits of what you would expect to see in a TV show, never mind expect to see um, uh, superheroes doing and um but it it managed to get its way round but i kind of felt like the the last episode was a cop out okay bit of a cop out because i don't know 
I, I, I don't want to give too much away, but look, if you've seen the first two series of The Boys, you're going to watch season three. And if you haven't watched season one, two or three, then what are you doing? Get on with it. There's nothing else like it on television. Sweary, horrible, horrific superheroes pretending to be superheroes, but in private just being absolute wankers. Not all of them, but a fucking lot of them. Now, moving on to a really weird thing that I wasn't expecting to see. I ended up watching Moon Knight. And that's a separate word, moon, and then night. Night beginning with the K, right? It's a Marvel thing. Stephen Grant discovers he's been granted the powers of an Egyptian moon god. But he soon finds out that these newfound powers can be both a blessing and a curse. So, uh, not many episodes... And uh, but I kind of like the way they're doing this. And two huge stars, right? Two huge stars in it. You've basically got um, uh, Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke are both, you know, both stars in it. It is a, it's it's odd. It's not like if you don't like Marvel stuff, you might like this. That's the it's the only way I can sort of really say. And and it it's yeah it's. It's odd. It is really, really odd. Um, again, don't want to give too much away because it reveals itself slowly episode by episode. And I really wasn't sure what, sure what to make of it. And that's because I came to it completely fresh without any knowledge of it. And so I kind of, I want that for you as well. Um, but it's, yeah, if you like fantasy, quirky, um give it a shot man there's only six episodes you know so it's it's definitely worth watching and come on you know oscar isaac is always worth a watch as is um uh ethan hawk and there's yeah it, it's um it's a weird property i really didn't realize it was a marvel um uh but yeah i did enjoy it i have to say i did enjoy it next up we own this night um it was on sky i think it's a standalone series it's about six hours in total. It's an 18. Yeah, it's a mini-series. Um, I mean, John uh, John Berthnell is absolutely superb in it. Um, and it's a true story. It tells the story of the rise and fall of the Baltimore Police Department's gun trace task force and the corruption surrounding it. And do you know what? That's it. That's all you need to know. It's a little bit unremarkable, if I'm honest. It's got a 7.6 on IMDb. I think that's general. Uh, sorry, general. Generous. I think, really, it doesn't really deserve much more than the five for me. And I love John Bernthal, but it was kind of like... And I, and I by the way, I realise I am complaining about, about something that is based on real events. This is a true story. So if you start complaining about the plot and the action and stuff like that, it's like, well, you know... You, you can't change history. Well, maybe you should have to make it a little bit more exciting and a little bit more engaging. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm right, but just so much of it seemed like, haven't I seen these scenes in some movies before? I mean, it's well done, it's well put together and all the rest of it, but it's just, it, it goes nowhere. Everything happens that you expect to happen and then it finishes. And I was just a little bit like, mm, yeah, okay, that was, well, I've watched it now, haven't I? And, and that was it. So that was We Own This Night. Uh, next up on uh, Netflix, Web of Make Believe. Um, each episode is a documentary that has something to do with the internet. And each one is fucking brilliant. If you like your documentaries, one episode long, move on to the next one. It's a great idea. 
Um, I think Ron Howard is is behind it as well. Um, and yeah, Web of Make Believe. Never have you seen so many different documentaries that just will just blow your mind. And believe you me, you start out thinking you know what's going to happen, you know where it's going, and invariably you don't. So definitely worth checking out. Next up, Blocko. Yeah, that's right. Blocko 181. This is an Italian TV series. Um, and it's it kind of like, you know, in, in along the lines of other Italian crime series that you may have seen. Um, I really enjoyed it. As a first series, um, there is a temptation to compare it to other things I've seen. It hasn't had brilliant reviews, but I just think season one we're just getting started. Welcome to Blocko, sorry, welcome to Block 181, a fiercely contested drug-ridden neighborhood where a forbidden love triangle is beginning to form. It is, it's full on, it's violent, it's very Italian, it's very dark, and yeah, it's the kind of thing that, you know, if from that description, if you're interested, go for it. And I'll do a quick one as well, you've probably all seen it, Trainwreck, the Woodstock story, the story of Woodstock 99, three episodes on Netflix. Watch them. It's great. If you think you know what happened, you've probably forgotten quite a lot, believe you and me, because I know I had. So that's definitely worth checking out. Now, sadly, another season, another series that's finished and a really, really overlooked TV series in this country. I don't know. It's quite difficult to get hold of. It's quite difficult to watch. It gets an 8.2 on IMDb. And it is the TV series that is Animal Kingdom. Now, I I have really, really enjoyed the um, uh, all of the seasons. It's It's been superb. And the cast, oh man, cast is superb. Abs- every single one of them. One of my favourite actors, Sean Hattossi, who doesn't get enough roles. He's brilliant in this. Ben Robson, he's brilliant in this. Jake Weary, he's brilliant in it. Finn Cole, yeah, that's right. Finn Cole from Peaky Blinders. He's been doing double duty since 2016. He's been doing um, Peaky Blinders and then over to um, Animal Kingdom. In the earlier seasons, Ellen Barkin is in it. She is the most hateful matriarch I can remember ever seeing on any screen. That's right, I said that, I'll say it again. Ellen Barkin as Janine Smurf Cody is the most hateful matriarch figure I have. I, I think I've ever seen. I mean, you just want her to die horribly. Not instantly, but the more you get to know her, oh, she is just horrible. There is so many great roles in this. People who pop in and pop out of this series. Scott Speedman's in it. Um, there's so many different people in it. Seriously, it's hard to find. Well, it's not hard to find. Nothing's hard to find with the internet, is it? But Animal Kingdom, all of the series, they are all good. And honestly, the last ever episode is called Foobar. For those of you that don't know, that's fucked up beyond all recognition. And it's called that for a fucking reason! Ah, just, I was going to say I can't get enough of Animal Kingdom, but I have. It's it's finished, and I'm sad about that. And every season, fucking brilliant. Loved it. It's like, there's a lazy, lazy comparison. 
it's a, it's got a little bit of a vibe of Sons of Anarchy about it, but it's nothing like that. It's not about bikers. Okay. Next up, uh, I'm going to be really quick on this. Netflix were absolutely shoving down our throats The Sandman. And I was looking forward to it. Well, do you know what? I wasn't so much looking forward to it. I was intrigued. I was intrigued because it's an unfilmable property that a lot of people have been waiting for for many, many years. And um, it's a Netflix thing. And I mean, all the, all the names you'd want behind it to get it off the ground are there. Neil Gaiman and David S. Goyer. The minute you see their names on anything that is fancy-like, then, you know, you're rocking. You're in hog heaven. Um, and, the, the, you know, the premise, upon escaping after decades of imprisonment by a mortal wizard, Dream, the personification of dreams, sets about to reclaim his lost equipment. Um, it's all right. My main complaint is that Tom Sturridge, who plays Dream, just wanders around like a fucking emo. Like somebody has stolen his homework. Like, a, like a, you know, there's ants on the picnic. And it's like, his delivery never changes. It's always, oh, but what are you going to do? I'm going to do this, but what are you going to And it's just like, oh, really? Really, mate? Is that it? That's what you're going to do? Um... That's the standout thing about the whole episode for me. And that's a bad sign. Sorry, not a whole episode. The whole season. I made it halfway through and I gave up because I was bored. It's that simple. So if you want to give it a go, go for it. I'm I'm just saying that I just couldn't. I just couldn't hang in there any longer. Next up, Anatomy of a Scandal. Now, I really enjoyed this. It's it's nothing amazing. It's on Netflix. It's called Anatomy of a Scandal. Um, and it stars Sienna Miller and Rupert Friend and Michelle Dockery. They're all really good in it. It's about a scandal, about, you know, uh, well, here we go. A sexual consent scandal amongst British privileged elite and the woman caught up in its wake. Uh, sorry, women caught up in its wake. And I thought it was really good. Really good, really effective. Um, I think there's only um, let's have a check here. I was going to say there's only there's only four episodes, um, but um, yeah, I loved it. Really enjoyed it, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's it, the thing is, it's one of those where it's nothing new. It's nothing new, but there are just a few things here and there that add to it that make you go, oh, right, I'm not sure, yeah, yeah. And, and it just keeps you guessing. Great performances, which always help, and uh, and well-written, well-paced, and, yeah, I, just well done, Netflix. Well done. It's the kind of thing that you're used to seeing on the BBC. It's that kind of feel to it. You know, Sienna Miller and Rupert Friend as, you know, the lead roles. Yeah, that's, that's BBC casting right there, except... BBC can't really get people like that anymore. Um, oh, they probably can, whatever. Who gives a fuck? Simply put, Anatomy of a Scandal. It's a British political elite scandal, and it's really well done. And I thought it was very much worth a watch. Okay, if that's all right with you. Next up, no one agrees with me about this. Nobody. 
including the internet. For a start, IMDb gives this four out of ten. And I can't believe that I have watched all eight episodes of Resident Evil on Netflix and actually enjoyed them. I mean, it's not without its problems. God, yeah, there's, 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 yeah, there is problems here and there. I mean, really. But I found it really, really engaging. And, again, it's got a really cool cast. Um, Ella Belinksa and Tamara Smart play two young sisters, and they are brilliant in it. Lance Reddick is in it, um, who, again, is a favourite actor of mine. And, I mean, his part just goes insane. There is some really, like, left turns here. Don't do what I did. I started watching it, and I was like, oh, this is like The Walking Dead. And then the people who were infected started running, and I was like, okay, so this is The Running Dead instead of The Walking Dead. Okay, I think I've got where this is going. And then all of a sudden something happened, and I was like, right, I fucking really did not expect that to happen. What the hell is going on? And then more stuff, and, and that keeps happening through the whole series. I enjoyed it. Clearly a lot of people didn't. I am not a huge Resident Evil fan. I've never played the game. I haven't seen any of the other movies. But... I enjoyed it. I and I it's one of those where I'm like I don't believe in um uh oh what's the word what's the word you know um oh come on what's that phrase where you like something and you're not supposed to like it. Uh and I know you're shouting, right? But that's not helping me. I can't hear you. Oh fuck, what's it called? Guilty pleasure. That's it. Thank you. Didn't even pause there, notice. Well done, brain. Well done. Um yeah, if I believed in those, I would say it was. But I don't believe in those, so it isn't. Anyway, last up, two massive series. Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon. Two very different experiences for me. Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon. I'm three episodes in. Halfway through episode two, I started going, I'm getting a tingly feeling here. This is, this is actually pretty damn cool. And I wasn't too sure about Matt Smith to start with. I, I really wasn't. I thought it was a bit dodge in the role, but it has started convincing me. Paddy Considine. I mean, really, he's a main character. What a fucking brilliant piece of casting that is. Fantastic. As is Risa fans as well. Um, but also, just, I, I, again, strong cast really, really helps. But young Princess uh, Rihanna, Millie Olcock, she is brilliant. I love this girl. I think she's fantastic. I really do. Um, I, I don't know what else I've seen her in, but I've definitely seen her in stuff, okay? Um, but she, yeah, she's absolutely fantastic, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Three episodes in, really, really enjoying Game of Thrones. And then there's Lord of the Rings. Absolutely stunning to look at. And absolutely mind-numbingly boring to watch. Some of the dialogue is just so wooden. It's like there's fucking splinters coming out of their mouths. It's just insane. It really is. It's mad. I mean, how can you how can you fuck that up? How can you well, it actually just just watch and you'll see. Um I'm sure some people are really enjoying it, okay? Um and at the moment, there's a load of shit coming out. 
that um, people are um, people have got a problem with the amount of uh, black people in the cast, which just does my fucking head in, really. I mean, you know, yeah, well, I, I, it's nice to see people, it's nice to see racists managing to follow through in fantasy as well. Not just being racists in real life with real life TV programmes and, and in their own lives, but they like to take their racism all the way into the world of fantasy as well. Into fucking universes that do not exist. But they have decided that black people aren't allowed in these universes that don't exist either. Fucking hell, really? Fuck off. There is, there is so many, re so many better reasons to not like the new Lord of the Rings series. There really, really is. There are much better reasons than just simply being a fucking wooden-headed racist. Anyway, what a note to end on. I didn't see that coming. Look, I hope you've managed to get to the end. Well done if you have, because, um, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot to get through. But seriously, it's nice to have a chat again. They're just my opinions. Hit me up and tell me what you liked and what you didn't like. And I will no doubt be getting a lot of messages saying that is shit and you thought it was good. And some will be like, that was good. You said it was shit. Maybe. Who knows? We might agree over some as well. Who knows? But anyway, it's been a while and it'll probably be a while again until I do another one. Because that is a lot of movies and that's a lot of TV shows. Hope you've enjoyed it. And um, I'll catch you next time on the next episode of Movie Bollocks. <laughs>